0: On today's episode, Dave interviews Brandon Sornberger. Brandon is a writer and improviser who's been on Parks and Recreation, Criminal Minds, and ABC's Switch to Birth. He was also the host of The Soup Presents Pop Quiz for the E! Network and The Rant for VH1. He performs at UCB in Los Angeles. I'm Ian Foley, and this is A to D Comedy.
1: Does your wife ever come around?
0: Uh, rarely. She used to. In the beginning, when I first started improvising, she would. I mean, I don't... I play... Mostly now at UCB, so she'll go, she'll go see most. Uh, she'll see a show. She gets up very early. So. Uh uh-huh.
1: What she do? She's a math teacher. Where?
0: Uh, Mark Twain Middle School in Venice.
1: So that's LAUSD. Hmm. Oh, she's LAUSD. Yeah. What's that like?
0: Uh, better than where she used to teach in Chicago uh, on the southwest side in the Austin district of Chicago. Chicago public school. Yeah. And that was her first, not her first, she taught Somerville briefly, but that was her first uh, big teaching experience. And that was very tough. So this is a little bit better.
1: It's a middle school?
0: It is middle school, yeah.
1: Because you reach an age where you go, I mean, for me, I feel like middle school would be the way to go. High school would not be the way to go.
0: Oh, I disagree. I, I feel like oh, really? It, it, she teaches at that age when I think there's no self-awareness, and yet there's also a monstrous amount of hormones being dumped into your body. Now. I
1: think so I don't understand what middle school is because we didn't have middle school. Uh, so Except for us. She does like, the, her kids are like 12, 13. Oh, Jesus. How was your 12, 13?
0: Uh, I don't remember. What year was that, 90? 7th grade? I remember having really bad hair at the time. (laughs) So, you know, I I used to have long bangs, Uh and then I had shaved everything else. Uh, That was a style then for some reason. So, yeah, a lot of bad hair choices, a lot of style. But
1: back then, like, the bad hair was huge.
0: I think it it was more common, it felt like, for there to be these really big hair fashions in the, like, early 90s that a lot of guys were doing and everybody looked terrible but since everybody was doing it it didn't feel as bad
1: wasn't that the Duran Duran era and all that shit it
0: was a little after that this was more like skate influence like Tony Hawk I remember was kind of the impetus behind this weird hair I believe Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah because when I grew up uh, I was 13 in 1972 and you had long hair Mm -hmm. no you had long hair yeah, yeah, and Jews had Jewfros. Yeah, which were just really embarrassing and humiliating. I don't think anybody really ever had a good thirteen. I don't understand people go, God, I really liked high school. I don't. I, I agree. When people are like, I would like to go
0: back. I, 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 don't know. I would never. The fact that even now at our age we still talk about high school to me is indicative of the fact of how
1: traumatic it must have been. It was. It was horrible. Yeah, it was no fun. I remember thinking, I always remember when I was 14 or 15 thinking, I I would rather die. I would just rather die. Oh, yeah. I used to think that frequently. Like, it would be easier to be dead than to deal with this. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, straight heterosexual people. So how do people of, uh, you know, transgender people do it? Or people like gay and lesbian people do it? Or if you're a Jewish guy at a Catholic school, you know, Catholic neighborhood, or a Catholic guy at a Jewish neighborhood, a black guy at a white neighborhood, and vice versa, and you're 13 or 14 years old. Yeah, I think it's. Uh,
0: I. 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 It must exist solely to kind of, as a way to corral everyone who's in this age of insanity, and you can kind of keep your eye on them, maybe educate them a little bit, but maybe it's it's more just to, socialize them to some degree during this very chaotic time. Right. Uh. Yeah. It's it's an unpleasant experience. Did you stay in the... You grew up out east? I did. I grew up in uh, Gilderland, New York, which uh-huh. is a suburb outside of Albany. Got it. Yeah. So you're in northern, nor,
1: no, no, northern New York? Is that northern? It's, like, central. It's two and a half hours north of New York City. Did you ever read any... Because uh, when I ever think about Albany, I think about uh, Ironweed. Um, the guy who wrote that. It's escaping. Uh, William Kennedy. Do you ever read any of that, William no, Kennedy? No, I didn't. Do you, uh, he wrote... An Albany, it wasn't a trilogy, it was more like a series about no. Albany, growing up in Albany, like in the 20s and 30s, and the, the bullshit that was going on with the government up then, the state government, and gangsters. It is a fucking great series of mm-hmm. books. And uh, so whenever I think about people growing up around there, were your parents in, in what did they do? Uh, my father worked in construction, um,
0: and my mother worked, she was a substitute teacher, and also, she ended her career. She retired recently. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think what she... She monitored all of the daycare programs for several counties in New York. I hope I got that right.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And when did you say, like, for you, because you, you've been doing... You've been doing theater for a really long time. I mean, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And so, what you... When you were growing up, you wanted to... You, you, a lot of your bio has to do... With you wanted to get a PhD in neuroscience... Um, were you doing theater all at the same time or I was I mean
0: I started doing you know I did musicals kind of really yeah. Yeah. I, going. Yeah. I did musicals in uh, in uh, high school um, then I went to, when I went to college I was uh, going to... Uh, major in biology, be pre-med, I ended up majoring in philosophy, but during that time I was also doing plays. I hated college when I first started. My first sanctuary there was kind of finding this theater community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did, uh, you know, some, I don't even remember any of them. There, <laughs> not popular plays to to very few students. It wasn't a big theater school. Uh, but, at, you know, I really, I fell in love with doing that. That's so where I first started improvising was, uh, I was cast in a play, uh, called Pains of Youth, and the director had double cast it. We were going to do a version set in the twenties and a version set uh, in modern time. At that time, it was ninety seven, um, and then in order to determine what the essence we had to play in the in more of a twenties or in more modern, he had us improvise for two weeks. He didn't cast any of the roles until then. it was a really cool experience. So I feel like that's such a thing that you only would do in college. Like right. who has a kind of freedom to do something so right. uh, uh, like that. So. That was my first experience with improvisation, and yeah, I just really enjoyed
1: it. It changed, that kind of shit changed my life, where somebody said, you, where you go, okay, we want structure, particularly when you're going to college, you go, we want structure, and then a director says, we're going to fuck with it a little bit, and you go, is that Okay. And then realize that you could fuck with stuff. That you, not only can you fuck with stuff, but to look at it and go, I wanna break this mold, but not for the reason of breaking the mold, just because it doesn't make sense to me. Or I I get it and I'm bored with it, so I'm going to change it. And I know, like, you taught it, you taught it IO. Mm -hmm. Just at IO?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Or no. I taught at
1: Improv Asylum in
0: uh, Boston, Boston. Many, many years ago. Right. Yeah. So,
1: for me, I looked at all that. I've been talking to a bunch of people about this, about the idea of working for somebody else, teaching what it is that they're teaching, and realizing after a while, here you go. I don't. I. I don't buy a lot of what it is that I'm yeah. that I'm teaching right now. I'm not buying it. And unfortunately, I have a couple of choices. I can either suck it up and mm. have a hard time with it, where people can tell that I'm not having a good time with it, mm-hmm. or I can go off and do something else. Yeah. And for me, that changed my life. When I left Second City, and I went, you know what? I don't have to teach this anymore. It was so freeing. I think it's a, a, a it's freeing for the
0: instructor, and it's better for the students, definitely. Um, you know, the nature of the improv theaters is that they have to have a structured curriculum in order to you know produce a consistent product, but if that curriculum you know, the teachers aren't going to always agree with that curriculum. So right. it's, not, it's, too, it's a disservice to the students who have teachers who don't believe in that curriculum. And it's better for them to get that education from that particular teacher in a setting where they have more freedom to do what they want. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I completely
1: support that. I think for me, I know that when I, when I left Second City or when I left IO2, I also wanted to experiment on my own. Yeah, And I wanted to do stuff for myself and yeah. say, how does this work? And when we have the freedom to do that, I think it does, everybody is, everybody does feel that way. You walk in a room and people can just sense that you're free or you want students walk into the classroom and they're eager to find out what it is that you're doing in that moment. And also if I, people said, oh, people have asked me to, to start my own school. And I feel like if I do that, then I have to codify a curriculum mm-hmm. and I don't feel like codifying a curriculum. Uh, yeah,
0: yet. I get that. Yeah. I think that the only way this art form continues to advance is if people continue to feel like, uh, push around the edges and see where we end up. Um, in order to monetize it, you have to make a curriculum out of that, which that's there's the nothing thing. wrong with that. But uh, that's I can also understand not wanting to do that because it feels like, well, then... The issue is I always feel like once you create a curriculum, unless you are constantly monitoring that, you, you stay in that area and you never grow. And then you create students from... Eighty-six, or whenever the curriculum was made, or you know what I mean. So right. you need that. Uh, you, you
1: need to be out. You need those people who are out in the outside, not in that curriculum, who are continuing to advance. What yeah, we're doing. yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And the more that you're talking, I'm, I'm listening to you say that. The more I think, it is that where you 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 are you are stuck in that artistic point at that time. Exactly. And I hear people, and I bet you do too. And I wonder what it's like over at, at UCB, um, Upper Citizens Brigade Brigade. Um, I hear people say, "Well, at IO, well, you know what? Dell wouldn't." And I'm like, "You know what? Dell, Dell would fuck around with stuff all the time." Mm-hmm. And I don't think that any any good teacher, or any good or, or any guide or any artist artist the way that Dell was an artist would want people to go Dell close would want people to just keep fucking experimenting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like a fraud in the sense that Dell passed away five years before I started at IO. So. For me, I had teachers who obviously learned from Dell, but I I never did. But what was passed on to me from some of them was... I would assume that anybody who was an artist in that sense... Would be livid if someone kept referring to what they thought at a specific period in time as as his sort of bible. I, I assume, like anyone, they're constantly changing, and you'd be embarrassed by the work you were doing in the past, as you should be. With there's nothing wrong with that. But so when people are like, "This is how it's done. This is what that makes no sense to me. That's." Uh, Look, not that it's the same, but if the medical community fails to continue to grow and learn new things, we'd still be, you know, draining people for having imbalanced humors. So <laughs> there, there is a necessity to realize: what do you want to do with improv? Improv? Do you want to monetize it? Then let's find a particular way to do that. Do you want to put on shows that are going to make our audience feel a certain way? Then let's push boundaries and figure out how to do that. Um, but what you can't do is just uh, let it exist and not ch- be changed. Exactly. Then it just is this. Old thing that is no longer
1: interesting, that is embarrassing. Almost who wants to do that? And there's a couple yeah. of schools that that are out here that aren't the big three or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. But there are a couple of schools in the valley that I look and I go, "What?" I, you walk into the theater and you say, "What's happening here?" Yeah, you're in 1984, yeah. 1991, whatever the fuck it is, and it feels gross. It feels like you. It just feels gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. And I think, again, going back to the idea of I don't know that I want to co- – you say monetizing it. So monetizing it, there's not a problem with it as long as you agree that there are certain limitations to the moneti- yeah. monetization yeah. of it. One being you're casting it. You're casting exactly. it. in. You're, you're casting it like you would cast a mold. Yeah. And I see what Sharn is doing. I see what other people are doing uh, where every once in a while, like every five years, you've got to shake shit up.
0: Yeah. But it should happen even every five years. It feels like—is that enough? I, I, it's the, the organism that it is continues to grow constantly. It's
1: called improvisation.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> it, 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 and by definition has no definition of right. how to do it exactly. I so we're all
1: trying to figure it out. I was talking to somebody about this. He, uh, periodically, someone will say, uh, I want to talk to you about improvisation. I don't really know them. Mm-hmm. And and there's a guy who gave me this book, uh, Not Zen, uh, calling A Zen Revolution, How the Mysteries... A mysterious transmission of some old man was interrupted, explained mostly in their own words. Okay, anyway. Um, so he gave me that. And we talked about the, just the zen of improvisation. And the moment, here oh talking about inside baseball. <laughs> and uh, the moment that you talk about what it is that you're doing is the moment you're no longer doing what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you talk about improvisation, you're no longer improvising. You, within
0: the scene? No, yeah. I mean, even
1: talking about, yeah, yeah. well, even within the scene, certainly mm-hmm. within the scene. Mm-hmm. But also, if you try to describe what it is, it is more than that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And the issue becomes schools, by necessity, have to talk about
1: it. It's a brand.
0: Yes. But when you then when you talk about it, and if, if you believe fully that is this, this strange, nebulous blob, you're constricting it, and you, you can't teach it then. I you, I will say, having studied at numerous theaters, those that start from the ground up with very basic principles and, and perhaps create work that is more boring are more successful because they've broken it down into a way that it is more teachable to other people. Where I feel like when you have a bigger picture and you're unable to bring it down to those tiny things, the work is evidently
1: suffers. I think is what that also clear? ends up happening is that person who is that person who is teaching that class is getting the information from somebody who is probably two people away from the person that established the curriculum. Exactly. And so as that goes on also, because I think so many times, and and this must be true in all art forms, it's weird, certain things that are being taught are being taught only because they're echoes of something that someone said. And that echo is like, for me, I feel like, don't deny. Mm -hmm. That is taught you shouldn't deny, you shouldn't deny. And I'm thinking... What do you, we deny all the time. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that's an echo. And the echo for me is, why is it or how is it that we can deny and mm-hmm. still make it work? Yeah. How is it you can ask questions? How is it that we ask questions mm-hmm. and still make it work? Now, what people are teaching is the echo of the don't.
0: Yes, exactly. I don't think they know why. They just know they should teach it. Clearly. Because they were told. Um, this it, it kind of... Um, not to change the topic totally i think part of the reason that does happen is in this business it's tough to make a living teaching yes so the time it takes to learn how to be a better teacher is tough because you got to pay your bills and and whatnot so a lot of people use a simple shorthand of you know they're not trained properly as i guess what i'm saying so they're you know they're just what they learn is that they don't teach don't ask questions don't but they're just recycling all this information they've heard because it's not ultimately, these teachers should be in a
1: program for a long period of time to learn how to teach correctly, or they they go up in front of a group of people and they fail, and these group of people want to work with them again, yeah. so they could be able to move. Because I'm thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, what is the history of my of my teaching? Mm-hmm. So when I was eight, I took acting classes, and I was able to do theater, and part of it was improvisation. Um And then when I was in college, I got I went to college for four five years, four four of which I didn't. Four of the years I did not do any theater. All I got a degree in photojournalism. The fifth year I did theater. I came back to uh, sh- to Chicago and I studied at, with uh, with Geese Theater Company, which is an improv theater company that performed in prisons. Did mostly mask work. Sean Landry was there and a bunch of other mm-hmm. people there. Um, and that was mask work. And it was, but it was also dealing with the political end and guerrilla theater and shit like that. So I learned a little bit from that. And then when I left that company. Um, I said, I want to teach, and I went to the JCC and I, in, in Hyde Park, and I said, I want to teach an improv class to kids, and they went, great, and I used Viola Spolin's Improv for the Classroom, and I had my own curriculum, and I figured shit out by myself, and then I went to Second City, and I had teachers who were like, hey, fuck around with this, fuck around with that, because a lot of the stuff wasn't about the concept. It was about the idea of um, Second all the teachers that I had there, a major thing, whether they said it or not, it was... I am here to be the midwife to your voice. Mm -hmm. It's not, I am telling you what to say or how to say it. So when you teach people to use their voice, you're teaching on a one-to-one basis and you're not teaching something that's so, like get the who, the what, and the where out at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. scene, that seems so like make me question it as opposed to what is it that you have to say and then say it Mm -hmm. and we're going to work it out. And I think because of that, I don't think I ever really got fried on on teaching, mm-hmm. because I always taught what it was that I felt at that moment I needed to express.
0: Yeah, and I think if you can, if you're able to teach and with that uh, that kind of freedom, it will be much less limiting to you. But unfortunately, that's not the case for the bulk of people who do teach. Right, um, and that that <clears throat> it's also not to keep bringing back to, to making money off of it, but it's tough. In this city, in Los Angeles in particular, to sell that kind of improv, where it's learning your comedic voice is tremendously important and probably the ultimate thing that every comedian should be doing, but to sell that to them as a a reason to take improvisation, it's a little tougher than... Hey, learn how to do this. You'll book a commercial, or but you know what I mean. Which right. I feel like Something this more city, practical. This people, is what this is tailored to. Yes. Yeah.
1: So somebody can say, okay, what's the, what's your, your intention, your expectation in this class is when you leave this class, you're going to have the tools that you're going to that you could use mm-hmm. to get yourself a commercial. Yes. But really, not but really, that's very helpful. Yeah. What's also I think more helpful is. Who the fuck are you? Oh, 100%.
0: Yeah. If you want to continue to work in this business, you you need to figure out whatever your perspective, whatever it is, whatever your perspective is, you need to be able to con- be, be working towards figuring out, you know, figuring out your voice, finding out what makes you unique. What is your point of view? Even if it's, you know, dis- disdainful, you should be aware of what you give off and what you believe. And to be
1: yourself. Yeah.
0: really yeah yeah and, and, and understand yourself. that you be yourself and maybe that's not sellable and that's fine and that's what what, what I love about improvisation why I'm so uh, why I feel lucky to have learned in a city like Chicago it's much more freeing to that is you don't have to be sellable on a stage in Chicago they're not looking to make money off of you as a product they're looking to can, can you create uh, believable interesting characters relationships dynamics between you and the audience that uh, that the audience isn't thinking, well, how can I put that uh, on a big screen and make some cash off of? But the fact is, we're having this conversation
1: in L.A., so we must be a reason that we left that
0: city and decided <laughs> to move somewhere else. So but I, I?
1: I think both of us are here in L.A., and we understand the concept of the product, but we also understand the joy of the process. Certainly, yeah,
0: yeah. It's why I continue to improvise and I believe you do too, is whatever you do out there, you audition, you you work on stuff that's not fully satisfying. When you get on stage in front of an audience and you do a a, a scene, there's nothing that makes you feel, Oh yes, this is why I fell in love with performing. Right? This is it. This and way-
1: I think that it's important to have that the gratefulness of it mm-hmm. to walk off stage and and to look at that like, Oh, I got my rocks off doing this or playing mm-hmm. with that person you know Carrie and I play so much together mm-hmm. and then when I go to San Francisco I get to play with this woman named Rachel Hamilton and I get to play with all these like D. Ryan and all these great they're all women uh, all these great <laughs> women and Joe Bill and Susan Messing and all these people that that I go we are connecting on a level that is just about us that's not about a playwright's interpretation mm-hmm. of what two relationships should be and as frightening as that is It's the most exciting thing I can think of doing. Completely. It's invigorating. And never do... I i don't get stage fright. uh, I don't either.
0: Uh, I did, I mean, early on, but now I feel much more comfortable on stage than I do typically
1: in uh, all other situations. Um, Do you remember when that went away, when stage fright went away?
0: Um, I don't know if I can remember an exact time. I think it was more of an understanding of uh it's okay what happens up here like a belief that you know i used to say when i teach nobody dies in this like you're not you do a terrible scene it's okay it doesn't really matter we're not surgeons um an understanding of fully allowing myself to believe that you'll be you'll be fine no matter <laughs> this goes great your day goes on. This goes
1: terrible. Your day goes on. <laughs> you know,
0: nobody's gonna probably remember it. This was right. mostly for me. It's you know. It's so, yeah. do you
1: remember? Do you have bad shows? Oh yeah, oh, you all do? the time. All the time. Are they as bad as they used to be? No, I mean, I. You, you well, I want to. Well, let's define what bad show is, because I'm going to say I have not had a bad show. Mm-hmm. in In. 20 years now other people might think that I have mm-hmm. but I don't because I don't look at the shows like that anymore
0: um when I, how I define a bad show to me is I'm pushing too hard I'm I'm not playing with uh, uh, I'm not honoring what the scene is what's been set up and I'm swinging for the fences and I'm how going often does that thing. happen my instincts, and I think perhaps because I started on short form for so many years mm-hmm. in front of audiences that, like, rabid, drunk, b- late night Boston audiences that really were like, you, they wanted to laugh at it. It, it was a lot of pressure to be funny all the time. Uh, there was a lot of patience in the crowd, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, so for me, it happens a lot where I'm constantly fighting this instinct of, hey, what I could do a joke kind of thing here. I right. I, so, yeah. Probably maybe for me it happens more than most because of that.
1: It's interesting because I don't have any of that, I and mean, as a matter of fact, I look at a lot of when I when I'm asked to do short form, when I'm asked to do short form, I I bristle. Short form is <laughs> games, uh, improv games, and when I, and I bristle because I feel like I don't I don't want to invest in. It seems more of a clever thing. It seems more about being mm-hmm. clever than it is about finding a character's truth.
0: Certainly. It's a, Is it a skill? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Is it one that I have lost? Thankfully. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's just not what, it doesn't provide the level of satisfaction to me.
1: It's so interesting because that's really, that's such an interesting thing, the idea of, okay, I'm getting my laughs or I'm getting laughs. Mm-hmm. My laughs or laughs or we're getting laughs. But I'm walking away and feeling like there's nothing that I, I, I don't remember what I did. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that I I was vested in it or that mm. I went deep. Yeah. It seemed to be a shallow thing that I was doing, skipping across the, the, the top of the water. Mm. And it as you keep going on in, in this with this art form, you realize it's I realize, I'm sorry. As I keep going on this art form, I realize it's not about the laughs. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the laughs. I do like the laughs. Who doesn't? But it's not just it's not just about the laughs.
0: No. Um And that is incredibly, incredibly hard to get a new improviser to understand, because you are so naked up there, you're so vulnerable, that if you're not getting laughs, you feel like they're essentially saying, I don't like you, I don't like what you do, Uh, so that you need a level of confidence when you're on stage to understand I love a scene, and maybe I've built this up because it's happened to me so much. I like getting booed after a scene, mm-hmm. it, and because at least I made them feel something. Right. As long as it's an earned boo, not like you know what I mean. Like if yeah. it was, I played somebody who's so unpalatable the only way you can do that is to boo after that because it was gross. Um, but yeah, so I. I I, I, maybe I approach it differently because I've always played with people who are significantly funnier than me so they, I couldn't do what they did so I had to learn what I could do and what I could do is portray somebody perhaps more
1: believably but less comedically yes, yeah. and, and also to let those people that you're playing with who are boha funny yeah. play with play into them because they can't do what it is that they're doing if you're not doing what it is that you're exactly. doing, Exactly. Yeah. and it's a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. and so what do you say to somebody, what do you say to, to, to somebody who's just coming up who is feeling so, so naked and vulnerable? And, 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 you know, aside from you saying you're not going to die, mm-hmm. no one's going to be injured, what is the advice that you would give to somebody to say, look, chill? Mm-hmm. Aside from saying, look, chill, because that's not really a note. I think it comes
0: back down to what you had talked about before is helping them find a voice, find a point of view. Mm-hmm. And once you can find out what it is that you find funny. And I'll talk to students who have this issue and say, just take take note of when you go through your day this week. What made you smile and laugh and you thought it was strange or whatever? Um and once you can get a better sense of what you find funny, when you're on stage, you're going to feel more comfortable saying what you find funny. You have to know what it is. I think in the beginning you're like, I'm going to say it because I think that's what the audience might like, or that's what they'll like and you're trying to please all these people, when instead you should try to figure out what comes best out of you. And the sad truth is, it might not be funny, but at least it was <laughs> honest. Right. So not everyone can be a comedian, That's then that's fine. I think that's tough for uh, teachers to tell students obviously, and it's tough for a Student to recognize, like maybe I'm not. This isn't for me. Comedic improv. That doesn't mean you can't be an improviser. Right. Which means doing comedic improv is probably
1: maybe not your strong suit. So, what you're suggesting is to be mindful, to To, be aware of what you're doing throughout your day.
0: Yeah. To be aware of what (coughs) makes you what. What do you find strange? What makes you
1: laugh? And and to 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 experience those moments of oh. That made me, that was a strange thing that I just saw. So the moment that it happens yeah. for you to take a soul picture and an energy picture, yeah. oh, an energy I, picture I like at that, that moment uh, and, and to go, that happened in that moment. I just felt like that was a weird thing to do. So in order for you to notice it, you have to know what the feeling is of noticing it.
0: Exactly. Yes. You're not going to be able to recognize, you know, my style of play is trained on finding something unusual happens in a scene, uh, you know. Uh, labeling it, heightening it, but you're not going to be able to find anything unusual, anything comedic, if you and your real life aren't practicing the skill constantly. Yes. Are people going to find different things funny? Of course. But that's why when you improvise with a group of six, seven, eight people, that's why it's so entertaining, is because you're getting these unique perspectives brought together.
1: Uh, I, I was working with a group yesterday, and they were doing an opening, um, which is the beginning of a, of, a, of a long-form show. They were doing an opening, and they kept starting. And I, they kept starting. Ah. Uh-huh. In other words, they went out there and they went, "Hi, where this?" And then they started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, no, no! When you come out, you've already started." Yeah. And to teach people that the connection that you have between all those five people that you have up there in that moment—that mm-hmm. the moment that you're in front of everybody—you've started. Yeah, yeah. the if audience you have is to affected. S- yeah. What's that?
0: The audience is affected. They've seen you. They're you're made an impression on them, whether you want to or not. The audience is affected
1: affected is that what you said yeah that's exactly it you have stepped in front of everybody and the moment that you did that you're you're they're affected yeah and because they're affected in the style that you just came out and did you get to do more of that Mm -hmm. you don't have to go okay all right so what we're gonna do it's like no 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 we stand out there we're all you bumped into me why'd you bump into me why'd you bump into me sean what you know? What the fuck you come in before? And the idea of that which happened happened. Yeah. And if you don't help people to realize it, and I think at I O what they ended up doing uh, with the, with the change over there was when they added that one level called you. Mm-hmm. Did you teach that?
0: I didn't. Uh... And I believe now it's been changed again. I could be
1: wrong. I believe, Probably, I'm, I'm not I, teaching there. Um,
0: but that level, I I think was intended to help people find their voice. To yes. Help
1: people, which I think is great. I thought it was great, and and I hope that in that they changed it, they didn't change it to get rid of it.
0: No, I think you know, there's a lot of when you talk about how to set up a curriculum. When do certain things come? When should they come? Early, late. Uh, especially, what is the intent of the training? Center? Are we are we to teach you to do a herald? Then, when would the U level really fit in? Should right. it be afterwards, or should it be the
1: first class? I thought you know? it was. I thought it was. It was at level three, and then mm-hmm. they brought the structure in later. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I feel like if you don't know who the fuck you are, yeah, you can't improvise.
0: I don't think you can do anything in this business if you don't. If you don't know who you are, what you project, you're not going to work at all. You're, it's going to be a difficult thing, because you're then you're just guessing you're constantly
1: trying to please everybody that is huge the idea of trying of constantly pleasing everybody yeah and to know that this business is not about you constantly trying to please everybody no who are the artists that this is an interesting question i don't ever ask this because it's such a an interview question um who are the artists that you look at and go i think that person was a fucker and yet i still am so impressed by their work do you understand my question uh, like uh, in in real life? Yes, in real yeah. life. And yet you look at and you look at their work. And when I say their work, I mean mm-hmm. it could be painting, or it could be music, or it could yeah, be, you know, it could be it could be theater, it could be whatever the fuck it was.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, there's people that I performed with in Chicago um, who. Uh, you know, I, I, we've gone through different levels of friendship. We
1: don't need to mention names. Yeah. Just, I, and they could and they could yeah. either be the people that you work with yeah. or they could be people that are famous. C- certainly. Uh, and they've become famous. Okay. <laughs> so
0: uh, I realized that, well, I see them. Why they became famous, I think one of the reasons why is they were so aware of what they did, like what they gave off and what they did. And they didn't try to pretend to do something else. There was no apologizing for who they were. It was just, this is what I do. This is what I, who I am, and I'm gonna go. And if you man, you need that confidence to to be. Able but
1: weren't to, you inspired by them? Of course, I'm envied, jealous, uh, everything. Did you tr- by them. But did you try what it was that they were doing, which yeah. is unabashedly being themselves? Yeah, but that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. But yeah, it's tough. But it, but it's. I think it's tough only if you look at them and went, "You're a douchebag," mm-hmm. and the audience loves you because you're so brash. Yeah. But there are also people like um, Kevin Dorff or Brian Stack that Mm -hmm. you look at. Sorry, Brian Stack. Mm -hmm. Brian Stack, Kevin Dorff's a different example. But Brian Stack was one of the nicest human beings on the planet and who was just so uh, – his voice was great. Mm -hmm. And to look at the confidence that he had as well. And whether he really had that confidence or he was faking the confidence, it doesn't matter. I think fake confidence looks the same as real confidence.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think any, uh, you can tell the difference. What's amazing about Stack is Stack in real life is very different than he is on stage. Mm-hmm. And there's certain performers who aren't who they are in real life on stage. And he's a master of being all these wonderful, quirky characters on stage. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, to get, uh, I felt like I was going to say something. I to um, I, are we
1: talking about the people that you work with that were douchebags? Yeah. You know that you still looked at their work. Is that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's. It's. It's tough to to kind of come to grips with that only because you think you'll be rewarded for some sort of... Uh, this business doesn't necessarily reward you for being a friendly human being. That's not really... And, and nor should it. This is a billion-dollar business. This isn't about, uh, you know... It, it, certainly, it's about relationships, but it's not just about... Um, Just because you're a good guy, you're not going to get anything. So it's kind of tough to see like, yeah, these people might have been a little bit more cutthroat. But that was who they were always who they were. And they, as a result, became more successful. But
1: isn't it also a recognition, their recognition of their branding?
0: Yes. And it's a term that I loathe, but that is true. That is, you can't deny that they get it. They get it. Whether or not they had people around them who were like, this is what you give off. This is what you do. Let's hone what you do. And that's what we'll sell. Um that it, that whatever it is that work. and all of this as a, if somebody told me seven years ago when I moved here, this is the way I'd be talking about this. I'd be like that's gross that's I don't want to be involved in that part of the business. <laughs> but there's a dishonesty, I think when people come to this city from other cities where it's not about making money off of your art, that you have to f- uh, confront the fact that this is what we chose to do. Uh-huh. And if you are if you hate that stuff, this isn't going to work out for you. If you hate being thought of as a brand and a product to be sold, go do live theater and uh, embrace that. And those people I really appreciate. That wasn't the path I wanted to take. And
1: yet, aren't they also a brand as of well? Of course, you yes. Know? And I think the moment that you realize that, that for me, I understand what you're saying about that's gross and mm. like that whole branding thing. But one of the realizations that I came to was, it was only a few years ago, um... Maybe four or five years ago, when I left Second City uh, as the artistic director there, that I realized um, I'm a Brand. This is who I am. This mm-hmm. is what I do. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm a businessman. Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking businessman. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people who come out and this, what kind of businessman am I? I'm a small business. I'm a small businessman. Mm-hmm. It's small business. You know. I look at somebody like Corral, <clears throat> and I look at him, and I feel he's a corporation. Yeah. He's a corporation because it's Steve. And it's Charlie Hartsock, his right hand man. And it's all those people underneath him. That, And then it's also the people that are in distribution. And then it's all the people that are also at the movie theaters. And it's all the people that work in parking who do that. And it's the people that work around, that that have businesses around the, the theaters. And it's also the airplanes that will take it. And Netflix that will take it. And the people that man the phones for Time Warner. And the people at Netflix who are doing advertising for Netflix. Like you look at that motherfucker and you look at all the things that he is a fucking corporation. Yes. But he's also a human being Mm -hmm. who has a voice and he knows what his voice is. Very well,
0: you know, very uh, specifically defined voice, which I assume you learn over time. I mean, a lot of that takes time to, to develop that. And also having people outside say this is what you can. We I think you can do. Let's see if we can hone you, push you in that way. At least in the beginning. And then after you're famous, then you get to do something like Foxcatcher, which is totally uh, you know uh, against what people would perceive as his.
1: Voice. And yet it was a movie. I have yet to see it, mm-hmm. but. It's what I know Steve as.
0: Oh, like to look at that yeah. and go,
1: I know that he is capable of that because everybody else is seeing, you know, Anchorman and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember going to see plays that he did at Wisdom Bridge in Chicago. Or mm-hmm. was Wisdom Bridge around when you were there? No. Okay. So uh, theaters in Chicago. And because Steve and I did uh, theater at, at, at the Organic Theater in Chicago. We did we did shows there together that were plays, that were real fucking plays. Mm-hmm. And so to look at that and to look at him at Foxcatcher right now and go, that's the guy. That's the guy. He got to go through all of this other mm-hmm. stuff and the office and all that stuff in order for him to do that.
0: Yeah, he had to be super famous in order to get to do that thing he probably had the ability to do in the beginning, but nobody's going to buy that in the beginning. You know, He's a comedian so he's got to earn these stripes for him to get to that
1: point. Absolutely, Absolutely, yeah. and, and and, and the and he has to have uh, uh, stockholders, yes. and you know who will say I'm going to put money into yeah. that corporation called Steve Carell.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's what's the weird thing about this business, to some degree, is you come up with people, uh, and then all of a sudden. There's a, there can be a jump. Like you're, you're friends with people. And all of a sudden those friends turn into multi, multi-millionaires like in a year. And it's, I don't know any other business where this happens where all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, they got this. You know, they're series regulars. This got picked up and now this isn't syndicated. All of a sudden it's like, holy, f-
1: what? it's crazy. Look at Keegan, Ke- uh, yeah, uh, Keegan exactly. Peel. Yeah. You know, Keegan Peel. Yeah. Look at those guys. Now you've worked with them. Uh, I've improvised with uh, Jordan Peele a few times when we used to do Armando. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't
0: think I've ever done anything with
1: Keegan. Well, I, I know Jordan from Boom Chicago. I mm-hmm. directed him in Boom Chicago. And I directed Keegan in Second City, Detroit. Mm-hmm. And you look at both those people back then. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing that people do with Corral and Jackie Hoffman. Is you look at both those people back then and I remember thinking, and it was interesting because I worked with, I remember thinking, Jordan Peele, is a rock star. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking rock star. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking back then, Keegan is one of the best actors I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And to go, okay, and go. Mm-hmm. And to watch them just go move through all these things and for them to start working together. And you go, well, that totally makes sense, yes. right there. And for them to know for to know that they again, they're nice people. Keegan yes, is yeah. one of the nicest people Very on the planet. Nice. Yeah. And I really believe that. I, that's not, you know, that's just not, that's not hyperbole. Mm-hmm. I believe he is one of the nicest people that I know. And to look at him and to go, that fucker got what he wanted and didn't sacrifice who it was that he is. Mm-hmm. And he's a very religious man.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think the, he still, I'm sure, had to do things that he wasn't necessarily thrilled to do. Remember, for a brief time, he hosted a show on Animal Planet, which probably wasn't, you know, his dream. But it's what this you want to work in this business again you got to keep being seen and keep you know that opportunity probably led for him to do something else absolutely to,
1: and i wonder what wayne brady you know him mm-hmm. being wayne being a, a a game show host yeah now but that's where he is yeah. that's what he's doing he's one of the most brilliant improvisers i know yeah a facile quick mind and that's why I feel like be the perfect
0: skill set to have as a game show host. It is. I, I it think, really is. I mean, you're you're dealing with the public on a lot of time. You know, people who aren't improvisers. Well, you look at Steve Harvey. During, yeah. uh What's his show? Uh, Ding. I want, I want to say. I want to say Match Game.
1: I know that's not. No, it. the answer is. Oh, oh, Family Feud. Family Feud. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, people are yelling at their computer right now. Mm-hmm. Family Feud, and to go. He is still Steve Harvey. Yeah. In that. Mm-hmm. Did you see uh, the Kings of Comedy? I didn't. Oh man, it is so good. It is so fucking good. You know what it's about, right? I don't. It's a it's a documentary of, of four African American or five African American uh, comedians doing their show, mm. and that's what it is. I saw it in uh, the Sand in Detroit. Van uh, uh, Kugel and I were the only two white people in the audience, and these guys were just losing their fucking. The audience was it was packed. But Steve Harvey is hilarious. He's really really funny, and this is what he's, you know, this is what he's doing. But I would also think that he he feels like he's on his way. I think that the do you guy. think there's
0: anything wrong with it? I mean, Drew Carey hosts Price is Right.
1: But isn't Drew Carey also going around doing? But they're both. They're all. They're all yeah. doing except for what's his name, Pat Sajak.
0: Yeah, but at some point, I guess I, you know, I was on a track to host for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and I said I never
1: wanted to do it. I oh, you know. were hosting a VH1 thing.
0: Uh, I did. Uh, I had a pilot for the E Network um, that was. Uh, Never picked up. That was going to be a companion piece to the soup. I've done some stuff on VH1 and, and G um in Game Show Network and whatnot. And I, I thought I didn't want to do this. I don't want to be a host. It's not it's not why I came here. I didn't want to to go down that path. I don't think there's anything wrong at some point of being like, hey man, I got a mortgage. I got to pay for stuff. Right. I got to live. You know. I don't have the capacity to live that kind of extremely barren artistic lifestyle that I think we kind of t- to some degree certain people um, think that's what you have to do to be an artist but you know it's tough to
1: convince your wife that that's you don't want to live that way I totally yeah. and i my wife when I was married my wife was like you know what I I, I love what you're doing mm-hmm. and she said it this way she said I, I need for you to make more money yeah and she was not saying give up your dream mm-hmm. she was saying I want to go on vacation with you yeah yeah I, I want us to buy a new car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're so caught up in money is self-worth. I was so caught up at that time that I didn't hear what she was saying. Mm-hmm. I, just did, I I heard her going, you don't want my, yeah, David, you got to give up your art. She yeah. wasn't saying that. Yeah. What she was saying is, I need for you to say exactly what she was saying, which is I need for you to make more money. Yeah, And that starving artist bullshit, I've talked about it before. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing people say, I'm a starving artist. Mm. Because every time you say that, some producer is getting a boner going, I can, make you, I can, I can use you for yeah. me to make money.
0: Yeah, very cheaply. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's, uh, you know, it's a, a fact if you want to continue to do this. And I don't know how anybody I know continues to work at this level. <laughs> you got to find the time to audition and, and work, and yet you have to find the time to make money. And it, it's it's a weird path that we all have to cut out for ourselves for, in you know hoping that we won't have to continue on this path forever. I don't love managing a bar, but I manage a bar yeah and it's it enables me to do
1: what I want to do but I've watched you because you, uh, uh, you manage the bar at iO mm-hmm. and this is what I and I, I <laughs> this is such a weird thing to say. I would never look at you and go, that's the guy who's managing the bar mm-hmm. because you don't give off the I'm a bar manager-ishness mm-hmm. of it. Do you understand what I mean?
0: I guess. I don't know. Is there an archetype
1: bar manager? I think there is. Like, uh, how are you doing? What's going on? Can I get you anything? Yeah, it's yeah. like, Carlos, we need some yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the gun's not working. Yeah. I'm going to go downstairs. And yeah. having that Chicago accent yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, uh, but I don't see you doing that. Yeah. When I When I see you, I see you Sitting on sitting um, <laughs> on a stool uh, parallel to Hollywood Boulevard, and I see you checking shit out. And when something needs to be done, you get up and you do it. And but I don't. I think that you have redefined for yourself mm-hmm. the job of the role of the archetype of the bar Yeah, manager. I think
0: I found a way to do it in a a way that I feel comfortable. It's tough, no, not to <laughs> to get off go go off on this, but it's weird to work at the place where your friends come to have a good time, and it's a very strange dynamic. So I don't always know how to behave in that because they came for their night to enjoy themselves, and I'm there almost every night. So for me. Uh, I understand why people say don't work where
1: you you play because it's really taken away some of the joy for me. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. And I and I sense that. And mm-hmm. even the bar, the people that are working the bar, yeah. you know, that's their Those guys are, you know, John. They mm-hmm. they're guys that I don't know if John still performs there. Yeah, he does. Still, yeah, perform, yeah, yeah. Pre- still performs there. Yeah. So in a lot of people's minds, they are oh, he's the bartender. Yeah, it's exactly. like no, 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 no. He's the actor.
0: Yeah. It seems like the best thing to work at the place that you also improvise at. But, you know, someone told me when I was going to take this job again, I did in Chicago. How long How long
1: have you been had this job?
0: Uh, I, the one in Chicago I had from 05 to 07. The one I, I took in for... I've had for about three years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, don't take it. They'll only see you as the bar manager. It's like, oh, no, no, no. In Chicago, I had to do both. It was great. But here, it's, I think a lot of people... I'm frequently asked, so do you ever get to do what they do on stage? It's like, uh... Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes they do let me up there. It's really kind of them. Uh, but I but get it. Go, why would they think anything else? They come out off the street. I'm the guy who's recommending a beer to them. They don't they don't know, you know. Well, but at UCB you get to be That's why I love it. And it's one of the I know I'm not I don't do anything there. When the toilet's clogged, nobody comes to get me. Right. I get to just play and I am only a player, and I right. really I relish that it's so lovely to just be seen as that.
1: Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. How is it possible? That and I've never asked anybody this question. Mm. How is it possible that when I go to whatever that French restaurant is down the street from UCB on La Franklin, Poubelle, La Poubelle, that I I park west of the, that block mm. and I walk down and there's a line of people yeah lined up to go into the to UCB. Mm. How is it? that I don't know one of those people. I've been out here uh, 20 years.
0: I'd say they're all, you know, they're 18 years younger than I am. <laughs> so I think it's it's a very, as a much younger crowd. Uh, they, you know, they are not confined by having a liquor license so they can let people in who are under 21. Uh-huh. uh There's a huge market for that that is... Um, that uh, other theaters that have a license miss out on. So I don't know a lot of them either, but they uh, a lot of
1: students there, and a lot of them, I believe, are not 21. So that is the only explanation that that could have been. Because I don't, because I've asked this, I've mentioned this mm. maybe for five years to go, how can I walk down that fucking street? Yeah. Being, having the experience that I've had in the world, and not to I don't mean to go, aren't I great? Just go, mm-hmm. I've been around. Yeah. I've taught thousands of people. Yeah. How is it that I can walk down that, and, and that's the only reason? Yeah.
0: I mean, they do, uh, not having a lobby is a really great advertisement. You drive down Franklin, and you see a line of people, you're naturally, especially in this city, where you want to be drawn to the next big thing. You're right. You're like, well, there's a line. i got to get in line. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think there there is a well marketed idea.
1: Or, you know, did they did they think that through? Do you think they thought that through? Uh,
0: I'm going to say yes. I don't have the information, but uh, my guess is once you realize you're able to create a line every night, right. Yeah, you want to keep that going, right? You want to you want, that is the best advertising you're ever going to get free advertising. There's
1: that uh, today. I was walking down Larchmont. There's this uh, the ice cream. I was just
0: there last night with my What'd wife. Salt and uh, and
1: wound. So,
0: so, what is it? I, I've got. I've got. Salt I've got, and got something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got. Uh, uh, my girlfriend Laura bought it. She she loves going there because they. She she bought a couple of. Uh, we have a couple of pints of mm. uh, ice cream in the in the freezer. But there's a line there. There's yeah. stanchion. There's a brown rope. Mm. It's brown, yeah. which I think is great. Yeah. Um, gold mm. and uh, today I walked by and they had the line out. Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody wants to get their Martin Luther King got to. Got to celebrate with Martin. And uh, that, and here's my issue with Second City, they don't have curb appeal.
0: No, the I didn't even know for years when I moved here that there was a Second City Theater there. Right. Um, because of you know, I think they've done better. They redid the lobby and whatnot. I will say that everything should be pulled off of Hollywood Boulevard. Every theater should move. I it's just not. Hate, I hate
1: that street. Would you I don't, ever I don't go hate there? that street? But it's like. What's the point? Yeah,
0: it's not. It is not a place that a person goes to see comedy. You go there. Apparently, you go there to see a DJ. It's a different. It's a different demographic. Than well, certainly Soviet
1: in though. your na- in your neighborhood. Certainly, yeah. Because you've got that 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 the loud bar next door, yeah. and then you've got that other place, Hem Hemingway's. Yeah, that's called still called Hemingway's, and then you have Beso mm-hmm. on the corner there, which is what Evil Longoria's. Evil Longoria's. Have you eaten there?
0: Uh, once I ate there.
1: Yeah, I I, I, of the I got a Groupon for yeah. there. And it was a sixty dollar off and you go, That's a deal. Yeah. No. Really? So sixty dollars is not gonna get you fucking anything Any, in uh, that place. Have you been inside? Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's very it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. And when I went there, that used to be that do you remember what it used to look like? I don't. Oh, it was just, it was a storefront, that pizza joint that's down the street, Uh um, that used to be in the front there. And then around the side was another Italian, just like a a shitty little stand. Yeah. And they just gutted that. Uh But I don't understand Hollywood Boulevard at all. Me neither. And people taking pictures of the stars on Hollywood Boulevard, Mm -hmm. why?
0: People lying down on the stars. I'm disgusted. I see people (laughs) barefoot on the boulevard. I'm there so much. I've seen every bodily fluid on that boulevard. Leave your shoes on. If this is a lesson (laughs) that we're listening, never take your shoes off on the boulevard.
1: Never, 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 never. I get pissed off when I see people pissed off you. I'm going, oh, no, 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 no. When I'm in an airplane and I see somebody going barefoot into the bathroom, I'm going, don't do that.
0: I but that that you want to talk about confidence that's confidence right there. Oh, it yeah. is.
1: I don't but it's also like what? no 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 <laughs> no 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 no. 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 But uh yeah, that idea like I I wish that going back to the branding, Second City has this brand. Oh, a huge brand. It's a huge brand yeah. and yet they're so tiny here. It never
0: made sense to me. As someone who was never a performer at Second City but always in awe of the Second City juggernaut and, and, and really loved the work, why is there no L.A. review? Why is there no theater that puts up a It doesn't...
1: Or even do, a junior review.
0: Yeah. It, some, get a 99 and under theater, not on the boulevard. You know, pay a cast 50 a show or have them do uh, a... a I don't get it. I see performers come out from Second City who are, are just tremendous comedians, and there's no home for them. No. I, I, and again, I'm an outsider.
1: I don't know. But it, it, that's how it feels to be in the community. God, that's so interesting that there's no home for them, yeah. and how important it is for you to have an artistic home, a place yeah. to hang out. And that's the thing about you being yeah. the, you know, being the bar manager at I O. Like that is a place to hang out. Yeah. It's a sense of community, and I think that. The, the sense of community, uh, I've, uh, a friend of mine, a student is coming here, moving here from Orlando, and, and we just had lunch you know, a few hours ago, and we're talking about community. We're talking about coming out here, and, we, and he's like, where should I go? What should I do? And one of the first things I said was, "You know, meet people, hang out mm-hmm. with people, just sit with people. Don't worry about it. You're going to fucking figure it out. But one of the main things is, get your community. Yeah. Find your community, because that's the foundation, because you're going to be with your community Nine times, um, nine times more than you're going to be, you're going to be with the community nine times more than you're going to be working.
0: Yeah, exactly. they are your people to, uh, to learn from, to commiserate with, to get support supported right. by.
1: Yeah. And if you get a nine to five job, anybody that has a nine to five job, that's their community. Yeah. Exactly. But we don't have that nine to five job. No. Yeah, and, and when you, you said, I think you mentioned like what a weird thing it is that we audition, mm-hmm. you know, and the struggle of what that is. But it's not really weird. It's just what we do.
0: Yes. It, it, it's weird in the sense that uh, if you crave structure, you're not going to get it. Yes. You know, you're going to have extremely busy days and then di-
1: empty days of self-doubt. Boy, oh boy. And one of the things, yes, the idea of structure but you have to create your own structure. Yes, and some people
0: are great at that, and others are terrible. <laughs> and right. It, like, uh, I remember when I was going to go to college, the uh, guidance counselor, like, had brought my mother and me, in, and then I wanted to go to, uh, I wanted to go to Vassar, and she's like, I think he's got to go somewhere it has more structure. I don't think he has the ability <laughs> to create structure. So, uh, it's something that I, I struggle with now, is like, you, you do have to be disciplined. This is a town where you can, you want to party every night, you find people you can party with every night. Right. Uh that's not how, it's not going to work out if that's the way you go. So you have to, the, the level of discipline required is, is you need a lot of discipline. And
1: I think what and that's really, really true. And what for me, I made that discovery on my own of going, I've got to work. Yeah. I wake up every morning and I think, um, I'm going to get work today. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't think I've got to find work. It's, I'm going to get work today. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I end up getting work that day or mm-hmm. i end up making work make mm-hmm. i end up making work mm-hmm. have you heard the term make for going duty
0: yeah i guess yeah i mean not not very common
1: it's a chicago thing is it yeah uh-huh. uh huh because my girlfriend was saying you know she's from around here it's like okay. make uh-huh. i'm like yeah make is a, a euphemism for going poop I just, just, like so i'm going to go make or like i'm going to go make poop no, you don't want to say I'm going to go make. Poop. Oh. Gotta go, I'm going to go make.
0: No, 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 I've never heard it in that, in that way. Yeah, I I, I will say to my wife, I'm going to go make poop just because
1: I think it's a weird comic. Like, it's yeah weird visual. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, for me, it's like, you got to go make. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does
0: sound a little classier.
1: You got to go make poop. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think there's some comedic value in that maybe not and, you know at my base I'm a six year old boy. I so. think I can't tell you how many times we have had conversations here about make and poop and all that stuff and uh, uh, and I, I could have a whole show about make yeah. and I think that we should do a whole show. I think where you should everybody's got a make story. Yeah. everybody has a fucking make story. Oh, yeah Tim Kazarinski has the greatest make story. I can't <laughs> tell it but it is a great make yeah. story and uh, best of
0: just uh, yeah i think that's a great yeah, idea
1: yeah 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 submit your make story yeah. and we will make something out of there it there you go uh i have i've had this argument with not argument uh, maybe i've just had the argument i don't think my friend has had the argument where it's milk milk lemonade round the corner fudges made yeah, have yeah you heard that mm-hmm. he says milk milk lemonade turn the corner fudges made which i think is totally wrong
0: yeah i mean that implies that there's somebody who's like like driving from your nipples
1: downward. <laughs> Do
0: you know what I'm saying? Like
1: I for me what gets me is okay, for me milk milk uh, milk milk lemonade round the corner fudge is made is just saying where fudge is made. Yeah yeah. For him to say milk milk lemonade turn the corner fudge is made implies <laughs> in order for 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 fudge to be made, yeah. you must one of the steps is turn the corner.
0: Uh, I took that as milk milk lemonade Turn the corner. If if you so dare to turn that
1: corner, I will shit on you. It's <laughs> how
0: turn I dig the it. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Turn yeah. the corner. Fudge is made. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, yeah. So, you turn the corner. Fudge is made. Keep going right? straight. Don't. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah.
0: It's a warning. It's a strong
1: warning. Really. <laughs> it's a strong yeah. warning. Turn the corner. Fudge is made. No, but I think that 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 for me, I can have um uh, I can have a show of of poop and a show of vomit stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I uh I. I have those stories, yeah I, it's you know every, I guess everybody does, right? everybody does, and if you don't, I think you're lying. you gotta
1: be or you're not living your, you're living your life too well. I'll tell you that. I don't know I, there could be people that are going never happened to me, but I think that if you really really listen, if you really really go in your head where you go, okay, there have been close calls. yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I think a great question uh, among a new group of people is, have you ever pooped your pants as an adult? Yes. And oh, yeah, big time. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And if you're not, again, I encourage you to party harder (laughs) at least once. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or to know, because I think a major part of this is to go, because I think that that for me, I always think I can get through this crisis. Exactly. I am always going to get through this crisis. Mm -hmm. Last year, something happened mm-hmm. i did not get through the crisis
0: no didn't make it
1: no i did not i uh-huh. made it which is the problem yeah, i didn't was, make it. yeah yeah i made it uh-huh. so that was it uh-huh. and it was like oh no no uh-huh. and luckily i was walking i was outside and it just it all happened uh
0: uh-huh. just out of it was nowhere. no warning
1: um looking back on it i had i i was creating <laughs> i was creating the perfect recipe for that to have happened uh-huh. throughout the entire day yeah, yeah, yeah i was i was i was ingesting all the ingredients yeah, for yeah, that yeah, to yeah. have happened yeah, yeah and then it was late at night it was ten thirty uh-huh. and I was walking home in Chicago. i was taking this long three uh, three mile walk back to my house uh-huh. in chicago and it was like my stomach just went oh no oh yeah 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 uh, yeah what did yeah. you do uh i found a tree uh uh-huh.
0: oh, okay. i just
1: i just shit behind the tree okay so that's a and then i was thinking in the morning someone is going to be very 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 uh, aggravated that this is over here and i get home uh-huh. i lock the door to my mom's house this massive thunderstorm
0: hey he took care of it for it yeah yeah that was nice huh it <laughs> <laughs> was really nice uh you you found a
1: tree though you dealt with it in a you know you didn't you didn't shit yourself. No, I did yeah. not shit myself. But even a tree, you mm. know, it wasn't like I was in an airplane, God forbid. Yeah. I was in an airplane. It was like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. what do you, you got to get out of that. Come on. Knock, knock, yeah. knock, knock, knock. You got to get out of there. Put your... You know, yeah. No, no, no.
0: Oh, it's one of the things I love, and I know this This is no uh, great insight, but there's something really satisfying for me to know that we're all just gross organic beings, that are, you know, when I sit across from, if I'm with someone who I believe has a lot of power in this business or someone who's treating me disrespect, I, I just think in my mind, oh, there's times when you uh, accidentally po- fart and a little poop comes out. Like you're just a gross thing and that's what, it, it humanizes everybody and I love it. I totally agree. All we're trying to do is pretend that we're not these things. We dress nice. We shower. I think everybody should go to a party once a month, unshowered for three days, and just show up and be like, this is who I really am. I am this. Do you want to hang out with this? Because this is all I am. Everything yeah. else is artifice. So. And,
1: but as you get older, oh, because of my uncle. We're talking about yeah. my uncle. As you get older, my uncle, you know, he stopped caring. Yeah. And he was started wearing shoes, both the same, you know, right shoe. <laughs> and he started wearing that, and he didn't zip up his pants. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and as you get older, I think you go, it doesn't matter. The universe will take care of me. Yeah. But, wow. I mean,
0: there's a social obligation probably. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, we got to brush our teeth and be nice. Like, you know, you, no one wants to be around somebody who's unpleasantly, their hygiene is unpleasant. But...
1: I don't know that people know that their hygiene is unpleasant. Really? Because this year, last year, I went to two places. One place where almost everyone in the class Mm -hmm. had BO. Really? And another place where everyone had not flossed.
0: Was it like socially acceptable?
1: I don't know. All that I know is like what is happening right Uh now.
0: Can you believe, this is related, that like people in the 1400s used to kiss each other? Doesn't that seem disgusting?
1: The <laughs> no, level of I oral think about,
0: hygiene? I, I think Whenever think about I watch an that. old movie, I'm like, oh my god. Humphrey Bogart's breath must have been so fucking bad. That,
1: or, 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 or Clark Gable is yeah. to have a horrible breath. Just vile! But it's also, let's let's go back to everybody, you know, people taking trains. Uh, let's even go back further. Yeah. We'll go back to um, living in a house that had gra- that had dirt floors. Yeah. And you Got into bed with your brother and your sister and your cousin and all that, and there was not toilet paper, yeah, no, and there was not soap, and you got a shower when shower, yeah, it's a fucking shower. That's what happens when clouds happen uh-huh you know but you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but a bath yeah. maybe it got like no. once a year that's
0: why weddings were typically in june is you would get your bath in may and they would have them in june because the, you still were pretty fresh so that's why there's that's the tradition of a summer wedding
1: right yeah. and maybe they called it a bridal shower there you go because you took a shower yeah at that moment yeah. you had a bridal shower yeah. um but when i think about that when i see a movie that has that all that i can do is what was the smell of that what the fuck was the smell yeah. of that yeah yeah that's all I want to
0: see. Like that's there's not enough honesty paid to that part of it. Or maybe everybody's so used to it. Like in 500 years maybe they will think we're so incredibly gross. They probably will. Um but uh, like when you see stuff with like ancient Rome and there's there's poop all over the
1: street. How come we're not dealing with that in our movies? Right. Right. And maybe it wasn't right. a big deal. With right. That. And 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 cuz when I was watching, did you watch Rome? Yes. Loved it. Fucking loved it. And it
0: ended. It just ended. They ran out of money. It was a million dollars an episode, and they're like, we can't afford this anymore. That
1: was a great fucking movie. It was great. Great well, a great show. And then uh, uh, Deadwood. Another great one show. where you go, another one where, what the fuck did people, and people, you had sex with people.
0: Yeah, how? How is that possible? It must have been so gross.
1: How did somebody go down on somebody? That must have not happened, right? They must have invented going down on somebody once soap was invented yeah, yeah. and then you go, you know what? There's this thing called a shower. Listen, yeah. you went down on something. Yeah. Yeah. We have a shower. Fuck, I want to get a shower so it's, I can go down on somebody.
0: Yeah, exactly. There was the best advertising. You know, this is. I worked for Pfizer Pharmaceutical. And when I was there, I remember reading something that Pfizer, who owned Listerine, created the idea of bad breath. Bad breath was not like a thing, like not a term. Of course, it existed. But nobody saw it as anything as like it was just a thing. And then it became a social problem because of an advertising campaign for Listerine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that maybe it took the same thing for for soap to gain popularity of, you don't have to be stinky anymore. We have a cure for this. Uh,
1: right, and somebody went, stinky? Yeah, What's well, stinky? What do you mean? What do you,
0: what do you mean? If everybody stinks, does nobody stink? Is that the case?
1: If everybody stinks, does nobody stink? I mean, right? I don't know, right? I would think it would be, that stink would be the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. If everybody stinks then you probably kind of get used to it. Yeah, I think... Do you're, you? You do. I mean,
0: like, I'm drinking coffee right now, and I can't smell my coffee breath because my Got body it. has been used to, like, it's right under my nose. So right. you must get used to that. You know, you're, 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 you're,
1: you're, your olfactory sensors, they, they burn out. So yes. you're just... Yeah, you're accustomed to it. Wow. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch so many movies where I just think about historical events and I go, that's not okay. Yeah. That's just not okay. And I also think, how did people get through that when you think about the concentration camps and those sort of things? Like, how did people live with that? Yeah. How did they live with that? And we're going, oh, man, I had this audition and it didn't go well. And not that I compare things, but I want to go,
0: Okay. I think, though, your level of tolerance is related to how good your life is, in the sense of you probably could get through that, but you're so used to the comforts of modern society that an audition that goes where you were in a little traffic made you a little uncomfortable, so then you bitch about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that were I to throw you in some sort of horrible, Torturous event you wouldn't be able to tolerate.
1: It. I think that what the word horrible, torturous right there, mm-hmm. horrible, I think, is an overused phrase. Mm-hmm. And I think that horrible is your house burning down or your dog witnessing something horrible mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. But people say traffic was horrible. I want to go, traffic wasn't horrible, it mm-hmm. was traffic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, certainly. I mean, so many words have lost any meaning because they're bandied about. Right, <laughs> as if, right. You know. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah, it was literally horrible. It was I, literally. I don't know if they, you can say that. I don't know. <laughs> no, did did no. you watch someone you love commit suicide in front of you? Then Ex- my guess is not literally horrible. <laughs> exactly.
1: Let's use horrible yeah. as the, um, the foundation for the word horrible. Let's say it, that. Let's just say that we're going to use the word horrible as the foundation. In order for something to be horrible, it's got to be horrible. Definitively horrible. It's got to be definitively horrible. Yeah. Like you get to define it now. Yeah. That meal was horrible. Is well, that possible for a meal to be horrible?
0: Well, it, did you eat it and glass slit open your esophagus <laughs> right. right down your ass? Okay. And yes, that Rural. was a horrible right. meal.
1: Right. That, but that's a rare meal. Yes. It was horrible. The spaghetti wasn't done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not horrible. No. The meal was less than I would have enjoyed. The meal, meal wasn't was... good. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I agree. that we, You know, you have to be a little bit more
1: careful or words all of a sudden will have no meaning. Exactly. Traffic is never horrible. Unless the cars all around you just fill up with bile. <laughs> that, that would be horrible. Are you tolerant of traffic? I don't ever get stuck in traffic. How is that possible? Um, I am in my car and all the other cars around me have stopped. That's so you are just hanging out in your car? I'm just hanging out in my car.
0: That's a good perspective.
1: Because I'm, I'm, I'm always where it is that I am, and I'm going to get to where it is that I'm going when I get to where I'm going. And I have a car that has this thing called a music radio mm, yeah. thing, and maybe I'll have a phone.
0: You're pro- yeah, it's a much healthier perspective. I get very angry in traffic. My For wife me, comments on how I'm never angry. <clears throat> I'm, and I'm not a particularly angry person, but when I'm in traffic, it's something new and comes out. And I believe it's because I see people behave in a way that I'm like, you understand one in 84 people dies in a car crash and your behavior is going to make that number even bigger. Get off your fucking phone. Whatever you're doing, please stop it. That's uh, different than being in traffic. True, but a lot of it is. Uh, yeah, it is.
1: I guess I am angry when I drive. Is right. better yeah. Right. Because when you're in traffic, there's, there's obviously something that's happened mm. that has stopped you from, from yeah, doing yeah. that. So that's different. Uh, and I remember the moment that I said, "Oh, it was a book that I was reading on Buddhism where they said, "You're not stuck in traffic, you're in traffic. you're just thinking that you're stuck, which mm-hmm. is making you stuck but when I'm stuck in, when I'm stuck in traffic, when I'm in traffic and traffic's all backed up on the 405 or the ten mm-hmm. um, I, it gives me an opportunity to look at the that thing that separates going west from going east mm-hmm. that little mini wall and going. Why is there what, what's that skid mark going all the way? How did that the fucking happen? No,
0: I don't want to know. That sounds but terrible. But you also
1: look at you go, that happened, and you yeah. notice it. And go, yeah. there's a comb. Yeah. There's a hairbrush <laughs> and there's a shoe. Yeah. And go, oh, What the fuck does that happen? You're how easy. does that I happen? I don't need this anymore. Fuck <laughs> yeah, oh, my, yeah. yeah. oh, my comb. Fuck my comb. I'm not combing this crap. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, that's awesome. Let's end there. This is officially the longest podcast I've had. Oh, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. We what did time it. is it? Was really good. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at D Rizowski.